Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Are you a high-performing real estate investor who's looking to further elevate your performance? If so, download our free guide, Raising the Bar, Five Steps to Elevate Your Habits by joining our insider network at elevatepod.com. This guide created by yours truly has the power to put your transformation on autopilot and exponentially change your trajectory. Go get your free copy now at elevatepod.com. If you're looking to take your business and life to a whole new level and you're committed to investing in yourself, you're invited to apply for one-to-one coaching with me, which you can learn more about at coachwithtyler.com or sign up for the life-changing Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy, where together with our tribe, you'll learn how to elevate your game, make more money and have more freedom. Check out the free masterclass at elevatecoachingacademy.com. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chester. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I am blessed and grateful to be sitting with Marta Zaraska today. And I'm telling you, you're going to learn so much today about longevity, health, and how that also benefits your business, how that also benefits your money situation, how that also benefits your real estate. Because I'm telling you right now, it's all interconnected and you're going to learn some tips, some tactics, some strategies not only to living to 100 or even beyond, but maximizing your life, not only living longer, but living better, how to maximize our vitality, add life to our years, not just years to our life. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So I want to encourage you to buckle up. Today's episode is phenomenal. Elevate Podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal growth for high-performing real estate investors. Today is no exception. I'm your host, Tyler Chester, and I'm a professional real estate investor and high performance coach. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar. And by the way, uh, we're about to dive in here, but before we get started here, I want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already, follow the podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. And tell us, what are you loving about Elevate Podcast? If you have 10 seconds, pause the episode and go do that right now. Also pay it forward because the fee that we ask is just for you to share this with one person, whether it's a friend, a colleague, a family member, a business associate, a business partner, an employee, you name it. Share this with one person because that's the fee. That's it. It's 100% free. Otherwise, our business like yours is all based on referrals. It's all based on spreading the word. And it's all about the abundance mentality, because when you give, you receive more. And today's episode is going to show you exactly what that's all about. And we're really going to make that ultra, ultra clear today. So with that said, I want to dive in. I want to introduce you to Marta Zaraska, who is a Canadian, Polish, French science writer published in the Washington Post, Scientific American, The Atlantic, etc. I mean, I'm telling you, she is all over the place. Her new book, Growing Young, How Friendship, Optimism, and Kindness Can Help You Live to 100 is a Globe and Mail bestseller. Growing Young was endorsed by Adam Grant, Dan Buettner, Emeryn Mayer, among others, and named by the Wall Street Journal one of the best books of 2020 on longevity and aging. And today's episode can help you grow your your lifespan by a decade or more. I'm telling you right now, today's show can be a game changer. That's what we're here to do every single day is to really show up and give you the opportunity 
of changing the game, of changing your life, of changing your business, of changing the trajectory of your life. And I'm telling you right now, pay close attention because today's episode will do that for you. Without further ado, I want to welcome Marta Zaraska. Marta, welcome to Elevate. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me, Tyler. Well, it's my pleasure. And um, I'm really excited about our conversation today because I find it to be obviously very important. You know, we're all here on purpose and with purpose, and perhaps we have a certain amount of time. So maybe we could talk about extending that and maybe even optimizing our lifespan. And so I'm really excited about that. But before we dive into our discussion, one of the things that I love to ask my guests is really to gain perspective on the people around them and how they might describe you. So I'd be curious, Marta, what would your closest friends and family members, what would they say about you, Marta? Oh my goodness. (laughs) And how would they describe you? Oh, wow. That probably depends whom you would ask, but, um, well, I don't know. Organized, (laughs) um, organized, extroverted, um, always looking for something new. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I like that. So organized, well, organized was the first thing that came to mind. So obviously to be a prolific author, you've got to be organized, but have you always been in that capacity? Is that pretty natural for you? I mean, I've been a, a journalist for over two decades, so it's been a while. Um, also, as a working parent, you know, you have to be organized, otherwise everything falls apart. So I think that's uh, that's a big part of it as well, definitely, you know. After my daughter was born, I became much more organized still. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's that's the case. Are there any tips that you would share with folks? And the reason why I'm asking you this in terms of organization is because I almost visualize your life in terms of be, making organ, organized out of chaos, right? You're organizing out of chaos. So is there any particular approaches or suggestions that you might have for individuals who are listening who say, I'd love to be more organized? I mean, generally, you know, that's also something that touches on my book because I write about conscientiousness and this is one of the personality traits is actually very much connected to health and longevity. And, uh, and just like with other personality traits, they, it is changeable and, uh, and the approach is to change it in small steps, right? So you, it's a little bit similar to exercise if you want to start running, if you want to run, I don't know, 10K or even, I don't know, half marathon or something like this. You don't start from by running 15 kilometers right away. You start a little by little, right? So it's the same with being organized or conscientious. Basically, you start with small things. Maybe you'll start by making your bed every day or by trying to show up five minutes early to meetings. So, you know, you can make yourself some kind of challenges every week that you try to uh, implement. And this is actually something that has been confirmed by research. So there are interventions done like this when uh, when people are assigned small uh, challenges to do every single week. And after, let's say, six to eight weeks, you can already see improvements, uh, considerably improvements in how conscientious they are or extroverted as well. You know, it also works in other personality traits. So conscientiousness, we can already see, obviously, how that will impact your professional life and even your personal life in many different capacities. But what you're saying is what you found in your research that that even impacts your longevity and health. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. So personality is exactly one of those things. That's, I think it was one of the most surprising things I found when I was uh, researching this topic, that exactly things like personality actually impact our health and how long even we live and conscientiousness is the biggest one so one of the researchers i've talked with he actually said that if you know conscientiousness was 
consciousness was a pill, uh, it would be the most powerful drug on the planet. And uh, the reason for that is that on one hand, conscientious people tend to eat healthier, they tend to exercise more, follow doctor's advice, you know, wear seat belts and stuff like that. Um, but there are also direct probably direct physiological effects involved as well in how you deal with stress and uh, how you with cortisol levels in your body. So the stress hormone cortisol levels in your body with uh, inflammation uh, as well. So people who are more conscientious um, tend to have lower levels of chronic inflammation. So it definitely impacts um, our health and longevity. So you, you know, you exactly you get less of those diseases that are connected to inflammation, such as cardiovascular disease or diabetes, for instance. Um, and and other personality traits are also important for health. So, for example, um, neuroticism. So, you know, when you think about this kind of Woody Allen character in the movies when he's, you know, hypochondriac, always worrying, always anxious. So, you know, this kind of personality type is unfortunately ne negatively negative for health, right? So, if people are very neurotic, that's, this is not the best thing for their longevity. But it's also something that is changeable, right? Neuroticism is something that uh, psychotherapists have been uh, targeting in therapy for decades, right? So the same for ex uh, being extroverted or introverted, although here the, the effects are much smaller than for consciousness or neuroticism. The consciousness and neuroticism are the biggest things uh, when it comes to personality and, and how they connect to health. What's really coming up for me is how you do anything is how you do everything. And it almost, you know, that really relates to the conscientiousness or even neuroticism and thinking about, well, if you're worrying in one direction, you're more likely to be worrying in all of these different directions, it's more likely to become a habit. And it's, you know, more likely to impact you negatively from a health perspective. Does mm -hmm. that resonate with you, Marta? I mean, certainly worrying is one thing, you know, as a habit, right? So it can be part of being neurotic or just worrying. It's by itself. And I am guilty of worrying. So uh, so this is something that is not good for health, right? So there is a lot of research as well showing that as well as rumination. So rumination is going, looking at the past and things that happened and thinking over and over how you should have done things differently. Worrying is more future oriented. So you think about things that may go bad in the, in the future, right? So and they, they are both uh, not good for your health. So you've, you've mentioned a few times that personality can change, right? Traits can change if you train mm -hmm. them. And I, and I believe it starts with awareness. So I think your work is so powerful and important because of that. But could you talk a little bit more about what are the next steps beyond awareness and beyond recognizing that not only conscientiousness, but neuroticism and, and how they impact your health, but how you can train those or even other traits that you may find beneficial or the opposite? I mean, so generally, as I mentioned before, it's the interventions based on very small steps, right? So there are uh, there are apps um, being developed as well that help people change this kind of traits, but it's always based on basically assigning yourself some very small goals and following up with them. So you can say that this week I will, I don't know, I'll try to clean up, keep my desk tidy. That's it, right? Then next week can be something else. If you are trying to be less neurotic, it can be, you know, trying to re refocus the way you think, right? Or things like that. But another thing that's important here is generally is sharing your goals with someone else. So having this kind of accountability. So to you tell your friends, your family, listen, this is my plan for that week. I'm, ho I'm hoping to do that. And, uh, you know, so, so that you feel that somebody is also ho holding you accountable. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for that. And, and one thing I'd love to take a step back and really ask you, what is it that fascinates you or has fascinated you so much to really dive so deep and study longevity and anti-aging and so forth? What is it that fascinates you about, about, about those capacities? 
I mean, so generally I've been writing about, you know, health, nutrition, um, psychology for for very, very long time. So these are topics that I've been working on uh, for years. Uh, I write for, you know, the Washington Post, the Scientific American, and um, also my first book, you know, it was about why humans are uh, so addicted, why, why we love meat. And, um, and so this is also kind of connected to human evolution, nutrition. Um, culture and uh, so these are these are topics I've been studying for years and uh, and also in my personal life I've been always very much into healthy living and uh, and longevity um, and, um, and and but in the past I tried to more follow the you know the usual roads so the um, exercise you know healthy nutrition things like that. So yeah, so in my personal life as well, I've been always into healthy living, but um, more from this traditional approach. So eating healthily, exercising, uh, stuff like that. And then at the same time in my, at work, in my research, I was coming across more and more studies showing that healthy living was much about much more than eating and exercise. It was also about how we live our life socially and about our mind habits. So it's also about how you're connected to your community, about how you're involved with your friendships, uh, whether you are outwards looking, whether you're kind, whether you volunteer, you know, whether exactly what's your personality type, whether you're optimistic, whether you have purpose in life. So all those things that I, I've been completely neglecting as well in my personal life while I focused on diet and, and exercise. So uh, it really picked my interest. So I started researching it more and uh, I've read, you know, over 600 uh, research papers uh, for, to, to write Growing Young. And, uh, and uh, I think I did also change my personal approach to, to longevity after that, you know, to see that... Uh, it's not just diet and exercise and uh, on one hand that there is much more to it but on the other hand that also diet and exercise is much simpler than than we tend to think you know we we overcomplicate healthy eating and and exercise and we go too much into certain things while we completely forget about this other side the social living the minds minds um parts of healthy living I think it's so important because, you know, there's not really much of a conversation around exactly what you just described. And most of our focus is on, you know, nutrition and exercise. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, we shouldn't forget about those, those factors, but we should also incorporate what you're talking about. So, so let's dive deep. And when we talk about friendships, what is it that's important, particularly about friendships that impacts longevity and vitality? I mean, so friendships are just part of basically being socially connected. This is what you know, science, scientists call so being socially integrated, and uh, part of it is friendship, but also being connected with your family. You know, having a romantic partner, uh, knowing your neighbors, being involved in your community. So all this kind of having a big social network, uh, and um, and the reason for that is that you know we are social apes. We evolved to be surrounded by our tribe and we function the best when we are with others you know we our closest cousins chimpanzees you know look if you look where how they live you know they live always surrounded by others and this is how our bodies evolved as well and this is how they feel they are at their best and um, the reason for that is that when we are with our you know tribe members uh, we feel safe basically because we know we are much more likely to you know to be protected from predators to to find food that they will take care of us right and um 
So in terms of how our body functions, for instance, when, when we are surrounded by other people, uh, in the past it was, you know, by other tribe members, uh, we had our antiviral response. So the response to viruses really perked up because when you are with other people, you know, you are much more likely to, co to catch viruses as we know very well these days. Uh, so our antiviral response was really, really strong. But when you were alone, so when you ended up somehow kicked out of the tribe or lost and you were wandering all alone on the savannah, then your body would switch into antibacterial response. And the reason for the switch was that our bodies are basically imperfect and they don't have, you know, unlimited resources. So they cannot write, basically run two operating systems at the same time. So it's either antiviral or antibacterial. And so when you were alone, the antibacterial response would kick in uh, and antibacterial response is basically inflammation. And uh, so, so the reason for that is that when you are alone, you are much more likely to get wounded. You are much more likely to stumble upon predators that will, you know, scratch you, bite you, whatever you'll, you may fall, you may basically get wounds and wounds get infected by bacteria. So you want this inflammation going on to protect you. But the problem is that, you know, in modern times, uh, when we are experiencing this social, you know, isolation, when we are away from others, we are not, we don't know our neighbors, we don't have many friends, perhaps, or we don't meet them enough. We start feeling lonely uh, and isolated and our bodies kind of think we are alone on the savannah where you may get scratched by a lion. So it runs this antibacterial inflammatory response, uh, which when it's chronically activated, it's really, really bad for us because it can lead to all these diseases, exactly diabetes, you know, cardiovascular disease, uh, Alzheimer's disease, you know, all those things that go wrong in modern societies. And this is because exactly our bodies are not adapted to living the way we live. We're, they're not adapted to us working from home alone and uh, not meeting other people, not knowing neighbors, not being involved. You know, we evolved to be surrounded by, by others. So that's a really important part that I would love to just go a little bit deeper on as well is the virtual nature of our world today. I mean, if you have like you and I, we have we've we're starting a virtual relationship here and we're building a friendship while we're not near each other. Does that matter in terms of our evolutional data that you just described? I mean, so so there are different levels, you would say, right? So for instance, uh, definitely being in person with others is the best because we there are lots of things happening, you know, on the level of the body when you are, you can actually touch each other or where you can, for, ex for example, exchange microbes. So when people are together with others, we exchange skin bacteria with them and also our gut microbes in, in, in turn. So for instance, with people who you are very close with, with your family and your friends, you actually are much more likely to have the similar gut bacteria of them than with complete strangers because you swap them. Also, for instance, when you play contact sports, you are exchanging skin microbes as well. So there's a lot of things happening when you're actually in physical contact with others. At the same time, when we touch other people, when we hug, we hold hands, we even shake hands, uh, we uh, get release of oxytocin. So this kind of so-called love hormone. Uh, so there are lots of things happening that, you know, we don't that are not happening when you're doing things online. On the other hand, you know, definitely Zoom or, or Skype or when you can see people. So video uh, connections are much better than texting uh, because uh, there is re even research showing that hearing another person's voice, for instance, even over the phone, uh, releases more oxytocin, again, this laugh hormone, than when you get exactly the same message over a text message. So there is something from when we see the other person's face, when you hear their voice, when we can look into each other's eyes, another oxytocin booster. So, so you know, 
there are gradations, right? So the worst would be the text message, then the phone, then the video message, and then meet in person, right? So that makes sense. No, that that's really valuable. And I think about also the other thing that I wanted to go into was quality or quantity or both, right? So mm. is it is it a matter of quality <laughs> and quantity, or can yeah. you go deep and still get the benefits that you're talking about here? I mean, you need both. So research shows that uh, is definitely quality matters. So you know, it, it, if you have 2000 Facebook friends, that's not it. So you need real connections when you feel that the other people care for you and you care for them. Uh, so in the research, how scientists usually evaluate whether your connections are deep enough is that they ask you things like, for instance, imagine you got sick. Would there be someone who would take you to the doctor? Would there be someone who would bring you, you know, I don't know, food in the middle of the night if you needed that? Would there be someone to drive you to the airport? So things like that, right? So, and are there people for whom you would do that? So if the answer is yes, then it means you have the quality. Then the, the, and the question of quantity uh, is about how often you meet your friends. And this is also important. So if you have a very good friend, but you barely ever see them, this is not good for you either. So, um, so generally, you know, it's very hard to put very exact numbers on it, but some researchers tried and Generally, I would say the minimum would be like once per week, right? So if you see your good friends once or your family members once per week, that should be fine. But if you see them, you know, once a month, once every two months, that's probably not enough. So, so there is both needed quantity and quality. But in terms of, you know, for example, uh, sometimes people ask me about introverts versus extroverts, right? So whether you have to have like lots of these very good friends or is one enough? So here the answer is much, much more personal. So if you feel that your needs are met, so if you feel that you really have people who take care of your emotional needs, of your physical needs, uh, you know, bring that soup in the middle of the night, but also listen to your, you know, if you have any problems that they will listen to you and help you, uh, then it really doesn't matter whether you know you need one person or maybe five people like that it's, it's quite individual individual right so one person can be perfectly happy with just one very good friend and another person may need five or even six really good friends like that right but if your number is zero that's that's certainly that's certainly not good such a great reminder for every single listener here, you know, folks that are high performing real estate investors know that the central theme of success in real estate is relationships and it's other people and it's building relationships. So not only does that create more health in your business, but it can also create more happiness in your life and also more longevity and vitality from a health perspective as well, which is so enlightening and so exciting. So how can we invest in friendships and how can we have that quality and quantity? And so thinking about, you know, something else that I find fascinating about your work is you talked about kindness, right? You talk about how kindness, you know, leads to longevity as well. So could you describe the kind of kindness that you really, that you really mean by that? And, and how does that impact your longevity as well? I mean, so as I read in Growing Young, you know, there are different, there are lots of different types of being kind and, and they all work for, for, for your benefit, for your health and for your longevity. Uh, and, um, and it's basically about just having this outwards outlook at life. So, you know, thinking about other people and uh, how you realize that it's 
less important. So there is plenty of research showing, for instance, that volunteering is really good for health, right? So people who volunteer, they have lower blood pressure, they have lower inflammation levels, they spend 37% less nights in hospitals, for example, than people who don't volunteer. Uh, so, so, so it's really good for you, right? Then um, also even donating money works. So there is research showing that monetary donations are good for your health as well. So um, and then there is just simple everyday random kindness. So things like opening doors for strangers or buying coffee for someone else or uh, picking litter uh, on your street, letting other people ahead in traffic. Very, very small acts of kindness also work. There was one fascinating research exactly like that when um, half of the volunteers were randomized to a group that was exactly to perform this kind of small acts of kindness, letting people ahead of traffic and stuff like that. And uh, for six weeks and another group was just waitlisted, and uh, and when they compared the, the the biomarkers of these groups, they found that found out that the people who did the kindness uh, intervention, they had a different gene expression uh, related to inflammation. So in so you know when they tested their blood, they could see in the white blood cells that their gene expression was different. So so it really really works. So generally, whenever we are looking how to help you know our other tribe members uh this is something that's good for our health because basically again we evolved like this we evolved to be good team players to be good you know apes and help other apes and look out for each other and this is how we get rewarded basically by by being good good team players hey guys just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show this episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, and you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital. It's a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I wanna invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called the bottom line, the 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value packed ebook. So I want to want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. You know what your research really opens up for me is it almost it's it's additional clues to do the right thing. And you know, one of the things that really resonates with me, you're talking about donating, how that can be good for your health and, and really just giving to others in general. And I find that, you know, some of the most successful business owners or real estate investors are those who are the most generous and they mm -hmm. open up, you know, an opportunity to give to the less fortunate or uh, or what have you. And I just think that your, what your work does is it provides additional clues to say, this is the path. Now let's, let's make these type of decisions. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about optimism because it almost seems that friendships and kindness almost leads into maybe an optimistic mindset. But could you talk a little bit about how that really relates to everything we're talking about here now? I mean, certainly optimism is another big thing when it comes to health and longevity, because, you know, when you think about it, uh, being optimistic can add you 
about 10 years of life. So that's that's quite significant. So it's definitely worth it. And it's again, it's something that can be learned. So there is definitely there is certainly some genetic components to how optimistic or pessimistic people are, but it's but it's uh, not completely out of your hands, right? So you can also improve on your optimism quite significantly. Uh, it's a little bit, you know, like with muscles when not everybody is born to be, you know, Usain Bolt. Uh, we not, don't all have the same amazing physique to be really great at sports, and but yet, you know, people like me who are obviously not Usain Bolt still try, right? I still try to run faster and longer and better and uh, and to improve, right? Even though my genetic makeup may not be the best uh, in that in that regard, but I still try. And it's the same with optimism or conscientiousness or neuroticism, things that are partially um, heritable, but you can also improve them by by just trying, even though maybe you, you know, even if nature didn't give you the best uh, starting point, you can still improve. So even if we're, we were kind of more inclined to be pessimistic because you were born that way, uh, you can still become optimistic by by trying. And there are so many books out there, you know, how to become optimistic. So I will not try to uh, to go too deep into it because there's plenty of resources on how to change your thought patterns and uh, and become more optimistic. I almost feel like it's rewiring your brain. You know, I've been having this conversation. I've had this conversation with, you know, various coaching clients over the years. And one of the things, you know, I, I think that we can look at pessimism at times and say, well, thank you. You know, thank you for trying to protect me, but I don't necessarily need you. And so how can I develop a habit of optimism and, and be more grateful for the things I have so that I can open myself up for, you know, more of an opportunity to receive more, maybe a gratitude practice would be a suggestion, but is there anything else that, and I know you mentioned you didn't want to go into it because there's so many other resources out there, but is there anything that you would point to that's been powerful for you for developing more of an optimistic attitude? I mean, generally for all those things, it's the uh, CBT, so, you know, the cognitive behavioral therapy, right? So the, the kind of recognizing negative thought patterns, trying to catch yourself when you, whenever you spot one and then trying to rephrase it, right? So for example, I, as I've mentioned before, I tend to worry, uh, you know, uh, much for my own good but uh, uh so i am trying to rephrase it so whenever i for example catch myself you know i don't know my daughter will be coughing and I, my thoughts will be oh my god she has pneumonia or whatever right <laughs> so so then you have to stop yourself you have to think okay how likely is it right that it's really pneumonia what's more likely what is the more likely scenario what is more likely to happen uh, and so you have to tr- kind of try to think you know much more rationally and basically to rewrite your thought patterns and think, okay, maybe I'm catastrophizing here too much, you know, thinking more much too in black and white. Most likely it's going to be nothing again because it happened before so many times. So, so you basically have to, you know, spot negative thought patterns and then rewrite them. It almost goes back to mindfulness. You know, for me, it's always the awareness of, oh, well, that was a negative thought process. Mm-hmm. And do I really need that? Do I need to identify with that? Is that serving me or is that limiting me? And what you just described is that optimism can be learned and that it can give us 10 more years on our life. And and for me, like that's what really can serve us. So how can we rewire our brain or or, you know, have some awareness to label that and then make a change? Because if we can learn this, if we can change our personality, how much power and how much you know excitement does that really give you? So thank you for sharing that. One of the things that I've found to be also very enlightening about your work is you've talked about purpose. And I know that most of our listeners here today have either got a very clear vision and purpose for their life or they're developing that or they're evolving that. And of course, it's always a work in progress. But could you talk about why purpose is so important towards longevity and health as well? 
Yeah, so the importance for of purpose for health and longevity really became to me uh, clear when uh, I was traveling in Japan to for research on growing young, and I was talking to uh, to scientists studying longevity and aging in Japan, and uh, and what struck me was the difference in what they were talking about. So between them and Western researchers. So generally, when I talked with uh, aging uh, researchers in the West, usually they were they talked about you know diet, exercise, the usual suspects. But in Japan, the conversation very very quickly went to something they call ikigai, and uh, ikigai. It roughly translates to purpose and meaning in life. And uh, it's so recognized as a health indicator in Japan that even the Ministry of Health officially uh, treats Ikigai as, you know, as one of the most important things for healthy and uh, long life. And also when I talk to like, you know, the really elderly people in Japan, so the you know, 80, 90 year olds and even 100 year olds there, uh, they, they kept talking about this Ikigai, is that, you know, how important it is and what is their Ikigai. So, so then I also checked uh, research, of course, being the science journalist. So there is both Japanese and Western research showing that purpose in life indeed matters a lot for our health and longevity, you know, whether you frame it as this ikigai or our Western concept of meaning and purpose, uh, especially when it comes to cardiovascular disease. So protecting us from heart attacks and all the kind of cardiovascular issues. Um, and uh, and the thing is about uh, purpose in life and ikigai is that it doesn't really have to be anything grand. Of course, it can be, right? It can be saving the Amazon forest, right? Of course great, good for you, but it doesn't have to be either. So it can be something very small. So the centenarians in Japan, they were talking about things like taking care of their grandchildren, for example, or uh, or helping out their neighbors. Uh, really, really daily small things, but uh, also things in which they were helping others and contributing to community, basically. Um, so, so if you find something like this, in which as the way, either big or small, in which you feel that your life contributes contributes to, to, to the community, to the life of others, uh, this is exactly the purpose and meaning uh, that we are talking to about. And this can really boost um, your health, especially cardiovascular health. That's so good. And, and it also reminds me of the multifaceted benefits of everything that you're talking about. Because when you think about purpose, like when I'm thinking about a big goal, it reminds me of what Tony Robbins talks about in his RPM, right? What's the result we're after? What's the purpose for obtaining that result? And then what's the massive action plan towards, you know, getting, getting that result. And, and, and sometimes your result is maybe it's business oriented, but most of the time your purpose is more outcome oriented, you know, outside of just the business. It's not about just yourself. It's who else am I going to impact? And, and what does this really mean in the big picture? And so I just think that is really exciting because I think it can allow you to achieve more and also receive more and give more simultaneously. But does that resonate with you, Marta? I mean, you know, it's all extremely interconnected, right? All the things that we are talking about, they they are not separate, right? When we are talking about uh, having purpose in life, exactly, it's very much connected to this kindness and volunteering and donating. And uh, when we talk about personality, it's connected to mindfulness. So it's it's all very much, you know, it all comes together, right? Like generally being out there in the community with other people and being mindful about it. So it's it's all very much, you know, um, goes back to the same thing in, in a way. So you've also, in this, this one really resonates with me, just this theory and this thought. You have concluded that self-improvement and commitment to growing as a person can also help us grow younger, which is like elevate nations like jumping for joy right now because that's what we're all about. Could you expand upon this thought? 
Yeah, so this is basically where the title of the book comes from, you know, growing young. So it's not about, you know, growing young as in a way that your, I don't know, your wrinkles will disappear. <laughs> this is not <laughs> what I meant. Uh, I meant that growing exactly as a person helps us stay young and healthy, right? So growing young. And, um, and because when I, you know, when I was thinking about all, all those uh, topics I was writing about, exactly, you know, kindness, volunteering, optimism, uh, being involved in your community, um, you know, this is exactly, you know, if you do those things, being mindful, it, it is something that we consider as growing as a person, right? Becoming more, basically a better human being. And it was kind of very rewarding in a way for me to learn that if we do all those nice things, then you kind of get, get healthier and live longer, which is kind of awesome way that nature rewards being nice, right? So, um, so it's, uh, and of course, you know, there will be always people who say, yes, I knew, but I knew this guy, he was super mean and horrible and hated everybody and he lived to a hundred, right? But <laughs> the thing is, you know, the thing is, it's, there is, there are always exceptions, right? We are talking about, uh, probability and risk and statistics here. Uh, whereas, you know, this is the same, like, you know, there is always somebody as well who knew a granny who smoked three packets a day and never had cancer and lived to 100 as well, right? So, <laughs> so yes, it can, of course it can happen. But in general, if you are kind and optimistic and uh, connect in your community, your risk of uh, certain diseases, such as exactly cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes goes, goes, becomes lo much lower, and whereas your probability of living long goes up. So, you know, even just to show some numbers, um, you know, when we talk about healthy diet and exercise, uh, these can lower your mortality risk by about 20 to 30%. So mortality risk means basically that within a certain period of time, you are that much less likely to die. So so, um, so that's 20-30%. But when we are talking, for instance, about uh, a happy romantic relationship, um, that can be even as much as 45%. So, you know, there you had 20-30%, here you have 45%. Uh, and uh, it's the same, for example, volunteering is also about 20%. Conscientiousness depending on the study between 20 and 40%. So, so these are, these numbers are at least as big as diet and exercise. And some of them are actually bigger than diet and exercise. So, so these are not minor things that only impact your health and longevity a little bit, they are really, really big. So probably the only thing that's bigger is not smoking, but, uh, you know, whether if you were to choose, you know, either diets or, I don't know, being kind, then it's, it's comparable. Of course, it's best to do both. It's best to eat healthy and be kind and connected and so on, but uh, the impacts are, are very similar. Yeah, it's just remarkably reassuring to know, you know, that the actual studies show that this type of lifestyle can support you in longevity and living a healthier life and, and living a more fulfilling life at the same time. I mean, I know that's more of your sort of off the radar, you know, there's there's not research to really measure fulfillment, but I think that's really powerful. And ultimately, all of your findings, really, to in my opinion, and my, from my vantage point, they relate to our mindset and how that's interconnected with our body and with others. Is that correct? Am I assuming that correctly? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and it is true that, you know, that's uh, all those things that are good for our health, that all those things we're talking about also make you happy, right? So, you know, there is the subjective well-being, you know, what re that researchers measure. And yes, it's true, you know, if you're kind and connected, you have friends and you are happily, you know, you have a good romantic relationship, yes, you'll be happier as well. So, so it all kind of, you know, it's uh, all connected and uh, you'll be happier, you'll live longer, you'll be healthier. You know, in a way, you know, at the same time, no amount of broccoli will make you, you know, particularly healthy, so happy. I mean, it will make you healthy, but it will not necessarily make you <laughs> extremely happy and satisfied of your life right um but um uh so, so yeah so these things are very very much connected 
And it and it's and it's ultimately supporting your mindset, right? And the mind is creating the results that we're talking about in many capacities. Am I understanding that correctly, Marta? I mean, it's the, I mean, it is. I mean, it's so so so. Yes, it's uh, you know how our minds are connected with our bodies, right? There are so many yeah. ways in in which our minds and bodies are, I mean, our minds are part of our bodies, but how it's all interconnected, right? So I mentioned before this uh, immune response and, you know, the antiviral, antibacterial response, but there, there are also these hormones. I mentioned oxytocin, but we have other hormones like serotonin, vasopressin, endorphins that connect, you know, the way we live our lives mentally and socially and how our bodies function. Because on one hand, for instance, uh, endorphins make you trust other people more, they make you feel more connected, but they also are, for example, natural painkillers. Uh, so so they make you ex- basically experience less pain. Serotonin also makes you feel more connected to other people. At the same time, it has effects on your liver. Uh, oxytocin is the love hormone, but also promotes bone, gro- bone growth uh, and prevents inflammation. So, so all those things, you know, act in all these different ways, and they're all interconnected as well. You also have the gut microbes I mentioned before, uh, which we exchange with other people, but also which uh, play an important role in connecting our minds and bodies because they affect our feelings and emotions, and our feelings and emotions affect our gut microbes as well. So it's all kind of, you know, going all, all ways, and also those social hormones are impacting our gut microbes. Everything's interconnected and working together uh, to make, you know, either for your benefit or for your detriment. So with the amount of research that you've done, I mean, you mentioned digging into 600 research papers and, you know, diving so deep, is there any statistics or any, you know, facts that you found that were utterly surprising to you? I'm just curious. I mean, there is so many of them, you know, there's a whole book out there to, with, with it. But I mean, I think for me, the biggest was exactly this research that's, um, that showed uh, I've already mentioned it, right? So that's, that's, for instance, a happy marriage or happy romantic relationship, committed romantic relationship is in a way more important to your health, better for your health than even the best Mediterranean diet. Because, you know, I said before, a happy romantic relationship can lower your mortality risk by 45% and Mediterranean diet is just 21%. So, so, you know, so this is really something that showed me how important those things are and how, how we don't really talk about it. You know, we spend so much time chasing the perfect, you know, miracle, miracle foods and supplements and this, you know, exercise regimes. And at the same time, we really don't talk about how much friendship or, or family can impact our health. Such a great reminder. And I think something for all of us to take note, it's what are our priorities and how do those priorities truly impact us? You know, we're talking about science here. We're talking about biology. We're talking about real facts. So Marta, thank you so much for this. This is so good. I want to transition into our rapid fire section. We call it the rare air questionnaire. You know, what we've talked about today is, is odd. It's uncommon. It's different and it's rare. And it's because of your commitment to understanding more about what is going to allow us to step into longevity? What is going to allow us to impact our world? What is going to allow us to create more impact and more meaning with the lives that we have and extend that and even enjoy the benefits of that? So thank you for all of that. But I want to extend our conversation here just a bit and talk a little bit about you. I'd love to know just a few things in being an author, being a journalist, obviously with the beautiful bookshelf behind you, I've been excited <laughs> to ask you this question for the entirety of our conversation. If anybody's watching on YouTube, you can see this beautiful, very conscientiously placed uh, bookshelf <laughs> behind you. If you were to point to two or three of the most impactful books you've read over the past few well, years, what would those be and why? Oh my goodness. I read so much. I, whew, the most impactful books. Okay. Um, 
So By the way, mad. I know that this is a tough question and I always cringe when I ask it. So feel free to take a shot in the dark wherever it makes sense for you. Okay, so the one that definitely shook me was the uninhabitable earth. Um, the, you know, that was just, I mean, it was very anxiety inducing and I almost couldn't sleep afterwards, but <laughs> it definitely impacted me. Um, other than that, goodness. I really, okay. It's, if I'm really honest, it was how to talk to children and so they listen and how, I don't remember the exact title, but it's something like how to talk to children that they listen or something like that. It's a really good parenting book, so changed my life. Anyway, so uh, I would say those two and um, probably there was something else I'm missing, I'm certain, because I just read reads really a lot of stuff. I mean, it just goes back to what we were talking about earlier on self-improvement and committing to growing as a person. And obviously you're learning so many things by reading, you know, whether it's how to communicate better with your children or learning about, you know, potential future of our earth and all these different things. I just think it's really important to highlight reading and learning and growing. And obviously listening to this podcast is a great example of learning and growing and improving, but it almost goes back to the beginning parts of our conversation. But we will put links in the show notes of those books in addition to, of course, Growing Young, How Friendship, Optimism, and Kindness Can Help You Live to 100, which is Marta's amazing book. So we'll definitely put a link in the show notes there. Marta, thank you for that. What is the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? What do you mean by elevate my life? Like just... Uh... Just improve. And we're talking about self-improvement and growth um, in terms of growth. What would that look like for you? I mean, it's uh, practicing mindfulness. So I, mm. I, I try to practice at least for a few minutes every day. And I mean, really for a few minutes, like, you know, 10 minutes perhaps. So uh, again, you know, busy parents, I don't do like two, two hour yoga sessions, but I do try to at least put two, 10 minutes uh, a day. That's great. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's so important. What Are there any habits that are really integral to you? And obviously being a performer that you are and a world-class author and journalist, is there any habits that have been really important for you? I mean, I have tons of habits, bad ones and good ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's talk about the good ones, maybe. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, so uh, the mindfulness and generally... Pff, uh, I, I, as I mentioned before, I quite organized. So my day is pretty scheduled. Um, and also, you know, once again, being a parent, you know, the kid goes to school. So I have my certain uh, time frames when I can work. And uh, so, um, yeah, like people, you know, ask me how, how do you make sure that you have, you know, how do you write? Because sometimes also when people talk about writing, they think it's kind of this art, very artsy process, you know, writing books and you sit in some, you know, with some kind of, uh, I don't know, on a field of flowers and think for you know, 10 hours and I, I don't know, whatever. Creative Wait, it's not like artsy. that, Marta? It's not, are you sure? <laughs> no, it's kind of more, you know, just sitting in front of your desk and doing it. So um, it's a very, a very much about just, uh, just doing it, I guess. I, I don't remember who, who it was, but one of the very famous writers once said that writing is a process of applying your backside to the chair. So, you know, and basically sitting in front of your computer. So, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Well, so just committing to the daily practice, right. And that, that is your craft. So, you know, having the commitment and the discipline to do that on a consistent basis. That's a great takeaway. Thank you for that. What's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? And the reason why I'm really excited about asking this is because of all of the part of our discussion that we've been talking about friendships and giving others. So what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you, Marta? I mean, so generally, I think as a, as a family, we're trying to be very much involved in our community. So we are very lucky that we live in a very small French village where the community is extremely, extremely strong. So we know most of our neighbors and uh, 
we really you know do stuff together and uh, know each other well but we also try to be you know and I'm trying to teach my daughter that as well to be to be kind and, and help others so you know if somebody's sick to, to bring them food or uh, you know pick up trash in the neighborhood you know just 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 be really involved and and help each other out well you've helped us out today and you've really you know given us so much to think about and so much to apply and really this is this is a lifestyle what we've talked about today this is about creating a life this is about creating a new perspective and stepping into that because you can give and you can receive at the same time marta thank you so much is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you share with elevate nation today Wow. No, I think we really covered a lot here. So I think, you know, just, um, just if you, I think that the important part is just to start looking at longevity and health, uh, as something bigger than just diet and exercise. You know, we, I think we, as a society became too over-focused or on this kind of minutia of diets and really looking at, you know, how many grams of this kind of little micronutrient you're ingesting and, uh, and this special uh, miracle berry that's found only in, you know, Central Africa, whatever, you know, to be just <laughs> much too into the small things. And we should really look at the bigger picture and also see, you know, healthy living as something in a way simpler, but also bigger. That's so good. That's so good. Marta Zaraska, thank you so much for giving to us today. Thank you so much for all the insights. I really, really appreciate you. I want to point Elevate Nation to growing youngthebook.com. Of course, that's where you can find the book and you'll be able to find Marta Zaraska on social media across the board. We'll put links in the show notes, of course, where you can find the book, where you can find her online. But Marta, is there anywhere else where Elevate Nation can find you and learn more about you? I mean, so you've mentioned my website. That's the most important part. You can connect with me on Twitter uh, and Instagram. And uh, other than that, you know, the book can be found in all the major booksellers from Amazon to all the small uh, bookstores. So it, it should be there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you'll definitely want to dive into her work because there's so much more than what we just talked about today. And you can get such a deeper understanding of really what it's going to take to grow young yourself. And so Marta, I just want to thank you so much. I want to invite Elevate Nation to re-listen to the show because repetition is the mother of all skill. And there might be something that you missed. There might be a couple of tactics or tools or tips that you can apply to your life immediately. I want to encourage you to identify what are your top three key takeaways from today's episode and make sure that you share this with a friend, pay this forward, give this to someone else from an optimistic and a kindness viewpoint so that you can strengthen those friendships and, and so forth and also grow young yourself. And so with all that said, I want to encourage you to take massive action. Marta, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Tyler. Absolutely. Elevate Nation. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.